You're listening to the Wu Wei Podcast. Welcome back. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Wu Wei Podcast. I am your host, Ange, and I'm absolutely delighted to have you here with me. I just want to say that I have loved receiving your messages and comments about specific shifts that you've personally had or aha moments or realizations that you've gotten for yourself from listening to this podcast. It seriously warms my heart and I only aspire to continue doing so for you. If you've found value in this podcast, Feel free to screenshot and share or send a link to a friend or family member that you think would really benefit from it because that's what we're about here at the Wuwei, sharing the love, sharing the vibes and sharing the good energy all around. Moving on to the topic of this week's episode, today's topic is about the most important relationship you will ever have in your entire life. No, it's not with your mom. No, it's not your significant other. And no, it's not your psychologist. It is, drum roll please. <laughs> I really need a soundboard or something. If somebody has sound recommendations um, for that to get sound effects, just let me know. <laughs> um, but drum roll. Um, it is, of course, the relationship with yourself. So you have your interpersonal relationships, which is in relation to others, but the intrapersonal is in relationship to oneself. Sorry, is in relation to oneself. Uh, and I want to know, what is your relationship like with yourself? If you've ever thought about it. And if not, now's a great time to think about it. <laughs> how do you treat yourself? Is it how you treat other people? Or how do you talk to yourself? Is it a self-deprecating way? Or do you say nice things about yourself or to yourself? What expectations do you have of yourself? And do you give the same compassion, grace and forgiveness to yourself that you do to other people? And if so, where did you learn that from? Or if not, then what needs to change? I think when you seek improvement, um, whether that's through going to seminars, reading books or participating in workshops, it can be hard not to have extreme unrealistic expectations of yourself in a way it can be easy to be a harsh critic of yourself and maybe point out the things that you've done wrong or failed at or were disappointed in yourself for um, and if you mix this with your inner critic uh, with the high expectations um, and if you've got expectations of others thrown in there too it can become quite a toxic mix within yourself and it can end up creating a cognitive dissonance where you've created a perception of how you think you should be versus how you're actually feeling and like from my personal experience um, this has certainly been the case for myself at times uh, like I love reading books I love listening to podcasts I love watching documentaries um and my logical brain understands how I should be or can like understand the theoretical concepts of ideas, but not living up to the ridiculously high expectations 
I've created in my mind has not only affected the relationship with myself, but also my relationship with others, which is very unfair. Whatever you don't resolve within yourself ends up leaking out onto others, which is why I think you really need to look within and see what needs working on within yourself if it's not something that you have already done, of course. There's a Bob Marley quote um, I've seen floating around. It says something along the lines of, before you point your fingers, make sure your hands are clean. Or there's another one um, where it says, one finger points and three fingers point back towards you kind of thing. So, yeah, it doesn't... It doesn't mean you have to be perfect to have amazing relationships around you, but becoming aware of yourself and your behaviors, your habits, your triggers, it allows you to work on these whilst building relationships and so that you can create new normals and new relationship habits that are healthy and beneficial for both parties. What's happened to you as a child isn't your fault. But as an adult, it is your responsibility to take ownership of your own stuff, especially if you want to be a good role model for kids or your future kids, nieces, nephews, or even just to have a chance at fulfilling healthy relationships as well. Getting to know yourself by figuring out your attachment styles or your love language uh, or your triggers and being able to communicate that effectively with others so that you can build those relationships that will bring you closer back to yourself. Um, So if you haven't heard of attachment styles, um, I'm sure if you just Googled it, there's different versions that I've come across. um, But generally, I guess a, a few common ones are the anxious attachment style the um, secure attachment style and the avoidant attachment style. There's, yeah, like I said, there's some with multiple other examples. Um, But yeah, figuring out your attachment style, which generally stems from your early experiences as as a child, understanding that can help you then work on those styles so that you do have a secure attachment style. Um, I also mentioned love languages. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it, but if you have, great book recommend. Um, You can actually do the quiz online. Just Google like five love languages quiz or something like that. It comes up and you can do it for free. Um, And yeah, it has the five different love languages, which are acts of service, gifts, quality time um i've forgotten the other two (laughs) i should really write this out (laughs) um i can't remember exactly um but yeah i'm sure if you just google it and then do the quiz you can you can find your particular love language and get the people that you love to do the quiz as well so that they know their love language and so that you can show your love to them through their love language (laughs) so Yeah, I think when you discover that about yourself, it again, it helps not only build the relationship with yourself, but it helps you build the relationships with other people. And it allows you to not be afraid to voice your wants and needs. If you're in a relationship where 
you're too scared to express what you want and need in that relationship or from that person, um, obviously both ways, then you might need to think about like, would it help if you saw a professional to help you express that or maybe evaluate the relationship as to why you don't feel like you can safely express your feelings or emotions or needs without judgment? Does this person have your best interests at heart? Are they projecting stuff onto you when you do express your needs or wants? And there's also the fact that you need to look at yourself and are you expressing yourself in a defensive or attacking manner? Or how could you be more open and welcoming when having these types of discussions so that the other person isn't on guard or on high alert? So communication is definitely, definitely an important thing, obviously, with um, relationships. Uh, Side note as well, it's also handy to recognize when the other person actually wants to resolve the issue and come to a conclusion or whether they're just arguing for argument's sake because they've either got inner emotions that they're struggling with or things that they're dealing with that has nothing to do with you. So that has happened from time to time in my experience um, and um, being that person and also having it happen to me as well um, if something has happened and it's a bit of um emotional takeover sort of thing. So knowing yourself and knowing your intentions behind conversations like that can be way more productive when you have a good relationship with yourself and, and recognize when you're getting emotionally triggered um, and to either come back to that discussion or argument when you're in a, in a more sort of stable state where you can actually express to come to a conclusion rather than just arguing for argument's sake. So going back to taking ownership of your stuff, um, yeah, like processing your emotions situations or past events in private that's fine like keep keep that pro keep that private and process it in a way where you're not influenced by others if you share what you're going through if that makes sense so figure out if you're the type of person to share things with a few key select people when you're going through something or maybe you're the type to only share with a professional Like find what works for you and focus on that so that you can move through the icky stuff and get to the other side. Um, I'll be honest, I'm currently trying to balance between sharing private personal experiences that might help others, but also trying to protect myself and my energy. Um, Like you might see things posted on social media, which are generally good vibes. Even if I've had a rough day, um, not to give a false illusion or ignore the ugly parts, but to try and put positive energy out there as opposed to dwelling on something that I might be currently going through, um, just to try and shift my energy. I prefer to talk or post about issues or struggles or things that I've experienced or gone through after I've processed them myself because at the time it's been too much to take on uh it's it's also because I don't 
want to talk about things from an emotional point of view, so to speak, but rather a reflective view where it could be more useful for others as opposed to like a sad story. I think once it's been processed, you just are able to speak about it from a different perspective rather than being emotionally um, sucked in to the story or the event or whatever the issue is that um, has, has happened. So know that whatever you, whatever way you prefer as well, that's the right way for you. Like share a lot or share nothing at all. Find, find your, your way with that. Um, <laughs> there's a real going around about wanting to be the quiet, mysterious, shy girl, um, but instead being the girl that's opinionated and always has something to say. Which, to be honest, I can totally relate to. <laughs> I've always wanted to be those like shy, mysterious girls where people are like, oh, like she seems so interesting or whatever. Or like, what's she up to or whatever. But I'm <laughs> really not that kind of person at all. Um, but my point is, we are all different types of people and we all process things differently. It's up to us how we do that in a way that is cathartic for our development and our processing like I still personally have days where I struggle to get out of bed or understand where my head is at or I just randomly cry for no reason. <laughs> like, Or days where I physically struggle to move my body and can't get up. As much as I try and try and push through, I like there's no way to explain it really. Oh, you know what? I'm going to try. <laughs> have you ever had a dream where you're trying to move your body or you're trying to run away from something because something's chasing you and you're probably going to die in this dream or whatever. And and you just, you're really trying to run away, but your body isn't responding. And that is what it can feel like some days. Like I just physically cannot get up. So um, yeah, just days when my body and brain just shut down and just got to deal with it. You just got to work through it. Uh, and yeah, like I said, I do have those days still and I don't, have the capacity to share it at the time and because I just don't want to I'm trying to protect my energy and don't have the space to share that but I also just don't want to be um I don't want to give the illusion that that I don't have those days as well and healing yourself is not a one-way quick overnight fix type thing it's Maintaining consistency in trying to choose the right coping mechanism or doing the right thing for your long-term health rather than doing what you did maybe when you were in survival mode. When you go through something traumatic, you respond in a way that is protective of you then and there, like at that moment, which depending on what age this traumatic experience was, that can actually carry on and be embedded into your beliefs, either consciously or subconsciously. If this particular habit or behavior is not acknowledged or reflected upon as to whether it's really useful in your day now and like relevant to you now, it can end up working against you. So just, <laughs> just for an example, say you're five years old you are playing on the playground, having an amazing time with other kids on the playground, running around playing tag or whatever, and then you slip off a platform and you hurt yourself. You start crying 
and then let's say the other kids start calling you a baby or they're making fun of you or or maybe you have a parent there and they tell you to stop crying, stop being such a baby or I'll give you something to cry about. <laughs> the five-year-old then creates a story in their mind that it's not okay to show emotions. Otherwise, you'll get bullied or you'll be a frowned upon and not accepted. If they don't recognize this or heal this like later on in life, it could end up staying with them where they just don't show emotions freely or they never really understand their own emotions because they were never allowed that space to feel or express their emotions. And then let's say fast forward uh, fast forward a few years um, and they get into a relationship where their partner never understands how they're feeling because they've either never shown it and or never communicated it to the partner because it's not something that they're used to doing or were brought up doing, especially if their parent has never really shown their emotions or been able to talk about their emotions. They role model that to their children moving forward. And I think this is a great example of how generational trauma or cycles um, can carry on through generations until someone in the bloodline ends up saying enough is enough. They do the work so that they no longer carry those limiting beliefs or behaviors and the next generation has the freedom to be themselves. Bit of attention there. (laughs) Well, that's just an example. So have you learned to or do you need to learn to reparent yourself in certain ways? Is there... Is there an inner child there that needs some healing? Like what what things do you might need to, to work on from the past that you may not have even recognized? I, I think a really great way to identify these pivotal moments in your, in your life as well or that affect your behavior throughout your life, um, whether they're being put into your subconscious belief, whether through your childhood or – previous lives or ancestral lives depending on what you believe in and what your spiritual beliefs are of course but I think a really great way to identify this is through timeline therapy timeline therapy it's a really great tool to acknowledge and release suppressed emotions within so that you can then move forward and recreate your beliefs if (laughs) If you're interested to know or uh, if you've never heard of timeline therapy, um, definitely reach out. <laughs> I've done it myself a couple of times to release heavy emotions like sadness and guilt and anger and other like heavy emotions like that. And it was really super interesting. I'm not going to lie. Um, I won't go into too much detail about my experiences on this episode, but if you want to know, just message me and I'll tell you about the previous lives where I was an old Russian man who lost his son and another one where I was an Arabian woman with a market stall. But I'm going to just leave that there. <laughs> uh, fun fact, actually, I'm qualified in timeline therapy and have a master certification. So if you are curious and would like to know more, email me or DM me and we can talk more about it. I haven't officially opened up one-on-one sessions um, again yet, but it's something I will be doing in the future, which will not include just timeline therapy, but 
hypnotherapy, coaching and EFT tapping or EFT stands for emotional freedom techniques if it's not something that you're familiar with. Um, Basically, they're all amazing mindset tools that can help you heal the relationship with yourself and they can work together and be integrated together and help you become the person that you really want to be by releasing old habits, old behaviors, old beliefs. Anyway, no pressure or anything, but if you're interested, subscribe to my email list on my website at thewuwei.com and you can keep up to date there when I do eventually open up one-on-one spots again. So another thing I think that's really important to acknowledge is societal pressures that encourage you to look externally for fulfillment or validation of oneself. We're constantly, constantly bombarded with media and materialistic things and like buying the next new whatever, like that shiny thing syndrome or being encouraged to drink in to socialize and to fit in because it's considered a social norm. I think following that path will always lead to invalidation eventually because your intuition will always question it and you'll end up in that automatic zombie mode, never really knowing yourself, like just following the crowd and doing the things of what you should do or what you think you should do or what society is telling you to do. If you don't take the time to stop and look within and realize what you actually enjoy, realize who the person that you are really within, then yeah, your intuition is always going to be questioning that. Which brings it back to the fact, if you know and understand yourself and have a good open open loving, accepting um, relationship of yourself, that'll then affect the relationships around you because you will be the same with them. We can only show up for others as much as we show up for ourselves. Do you struggle to trust others because of something they've done or do you struggle to trust yourself? Do you keep your promises to yourself? Do you worship yourself as much as you worship others? Or if you do, or if you idolize. If you find yourself starting to question who you are, or if you're feeling like you wear a mask every single day and that you can't be yourself, then have a look around and see why is that. Would the people around you accept you as the way you are? Or like accept you as the way you are? Or... Do they not? Do you need relationships? Sorry, do you have relationships that bring you back to yourself? Or I just want to differentiate between like wearing a mask or stepping into a part of you. Um, As humans, (laughs) we are beautiful complex beings that are made up of different parts. And these parts can be reflected in our friendship groups, for example, like I mentioned in, um, in last week's episode. So say you have a group of gym friends or having business friends or having work friends. It doesn't mean that you're being fake to a particular group or anything like that. It's just that they're different parts of you, but they are all true to you still at the same time. Wearing a mask is simply pretending to be something you're not. For example, pretending that you love to go to the beach so that you can hang out with your friends 
who do actually love going to the beach. But instead of you being honest, saying you would rather go somewhere else or do something else, you just put on the mask. It doesn't mean that you can't be friends with them, obviously. You just either find an alternative activity to suggest with that friend group or when they go to the beach, have a different group of friends that would prefer to go shopping or rock climbing or something else that you might like to do instead. The more things you try and explore, um, the more you'll get to know yourself and find these different parts of you. And when you start working on the deeper parts within, it'll start to show up in your day-to-day. Like the more inner work you do, the less inclined you feel to impress others or entertain others or buy the latest trend or something like that. Coming back to yourself allows you to shift your focus and energy on things that align with your woo. How do you protect that? How do you protect yourself from outside influences or external expectations and pressure? Another drum roll. (laughs) Um, The best way to protect yourself is through self-care. So before I lose you and you think, yeah, right, Ange, we don't all have time to have a hot bath with rose petals or whatever, <laughs> which I think is currently overdone at the moment, there are different ways of self-care. According to Life in Mind, which is just a random website I googled, <laughs> um, self-care refers to activities that preserve and maintain one's physical, emotional and mental health. It is an ongoing commitment to look after yourself through helpful behaviors that protect your health during periods of stress. I think it could also be described as parenting yourself, to be honest, like going to bed at a proper time so that you get a decent night's sleep or eating nutritious food so that you're getting the nutrients that you need every single day or doing the personal administrative tasks that you have to do to get um, that you've been needing to get done for so long i think it's also recognizing when you can't do things solely on your own and knowing you need professional help but it's also very important however and your sole responsibility to ask for that help so what are the different types of self-care there's different variations wow (laughs) what a word very variations and if you just google it again i'm sure multiple lists and different versions will come up but for this episode i'm just going to touch on the seven types being emotional physical practical spiritual professional psychological and social self-care if you're wondering how this relates to the relationship with yourself then definitely listen in So emotional, this is your ability to regulate emotions and process them in a healthy way. It could be reflected by journaling, writing a gratitude list um, or talking to somebody and using affirmations or meditation. Physical self-care, which is probably the most common one that you might see um, examples of, it involves your physical well-being. So this could be like working out, going for a walk or even getting a massage, making sure you're getting enough sleep. But I also think it includes your physical environment. So trying to curate 
the safest and most secure environment for you. Um, and an environment that's going to help you thrive as a person. Practical self-care. So this is in relation to your needs and your everyday sort of like um, monotonous activities. And I think it can also blend with the environmental aspect in a way, like making sure that you have a clean, welcoming living space. Um, But it can also include cleaning out your inbox, meeting with a finance professional to get your finances in order, consuming content that is actually helpful for you or brings you joy. Spiritual self-care is in relation to your inner peace or spirit um, or however you like to call it. And it's not just in a religious context or believing in God necessarily or the universe, although it could be too if that's your way inclined, um, if you're that way inclined. This could also look like creating a vision board or doing visualization exercise where you can connect with your intuition and getting in tune with your beliefs and your values, finding your flow and alignment with your woo. It could be praying or going to a service of worship or even just spending time in nature. It's more about doing the activities that inspire you and really light you up. Professional self-care, um, it, you don't have to be employed necessarily. This could also relate to your purpose in life. It's about activities that help you feel fulfilled and successful in terms of contributing to the world or acts of service. Like This could be putting in work boundaries. It could be time blocking for productivity or doing upskilling courses or maybe just volunteering for causes that you feel really passionate about. Psychological self-care, which is like a combination of like the mental, the cognitive or the intellectual activities that stimulate your psych or your mind, um, however you want to say it. It could be listening to a podcast or reading a book or maybe trying a new hobby or learning something new entirely, like a totally new skill. Social self-care, which is the seventh one, that I've got here is, I mean, we're social beings. We need connection to feel like we belong in the world. Social self-care is about making the time to connect with others in a way that enriches our soul and like nurtures the relationships we value in life. This could also mean identifying which relationships fulfill you and which ones drain you. Examples of this could be having date nights with a partner or calling a family member every Sunday night or maybe host a game night with your friends or have a girl or guys night out. The relationship you have with yourself is by far the most important because you're the only person that will be there for you every single day of your life. Are you your biggest critic or are you your biggest supporter? And I think it's really important to remember when you work on yourself, you're helping others by being a better person, a better friend, a better daughter, worker, and any other role you partake in. A happy, healthy, whole person vibrates on a higher frequency. They have a different energy about them and they have a completely different outlook on life than those that aren't. 
like radiate the energy you want to attract. Be that person for yourself. Put yourself first. Stop apologizing for things. Wow, what a struggle that was. I'm going I'm to try that again. Put yourself first and stop apologizing for things that aren't your fault or in your control. Take ownership of your existence and show up for yourself. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and spending your time with me. Feel free to write a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe if you like the vibe. Oh, what a rhyme. (laughs) Should trademark that. Anyway, I appreciate you. I love you. Sending you good vibes and high energy wherever you are in this beautiful world. And to finding your woo and living your way.